And that's something that I've started to become really interested in. I thought after being on staff here for almost a decade, maybe I should start to read about leadership. Um, better late than never. So I uh, recently, I, I pick up this book, Leadership, Leadership Axioms, from Bill Hybels, who's the senior pastor at uh, Willow Creek, or used to be. That's another story. Um, <laughs> two people got that joke. Okay. And then I also just finished this book called The Vulnerable Vulnerable Pastor, which is one of those books that you think someone looked inside of your head and then wrote a book about it. So that's been that book for me. And then right now I'm reading two books. Anyone else like to read five books at a time like I do? Okay. So I'm reading uh, Better Together, Eight Ways Working with Women Leads to Extraordinary Products and Profits. And then Lean In by Sheryl Sandberg, the chief operator, you know, for Facebook. So obviously I'm very excited about women in leadership. But I think I've been looking at this topic of leadership because I think we're living in a time where we're kind of looking for good leadership. You know, there's been a lot of disappointment. We, someone chuckled about Bill Hybels because he had to step down from the church for some accusations. And, um, and then just in general, just in the media, I know if you're like me, you're thinking if Tom Hanks goes down, we just need to close up shop, right? Like, please not Tom, please not Tom. But I've been looking at leadership because I think it's a really powerful thing and knowing that I'm going to be ordained. And then also I think maybe becoming a parent and realizing how do I want to lead my daughter well? What kind of example do I want to set for her? Who do I want to expose her to? What kind of books do I want to read to her to make sure that she becomes a really um, powerful leader but has good character, right? And so I started looking at this topic um, in the Bible because there is a lot of good stuff in there. There really is. And there's a lot of good stuff about good leadership. And so as I was thinking about this and reading, you know, I thought, you know, this is not just for church leaders. This is for everyone. Because believe it or not, all of you are leaders. And some of you may say, no, I'm not. I'm not a leader. But yes, you are. I believe everyone is a leader in some sort of capacity. I promise you, I promise you that people are looking up to you, watching you, observing you, and probably hanging on a lot of the words you say, which is kind of overwhelming and scary at times, especially when it comes to like our kids. But I think uh, we all want to be known as good leaders, no matter what we're doing. So I want to I want to look at a passage. Uh, from the book of Titus. And we're actually going to go through, I'm going to read it, and then we're going to go kind of word by word. And what, I, and what I feel like is a good leader and kind of go through what is not and why and how we can be that. So let's go ahead and turn to the book of Titus. I left you in Crete to do what I had, had been left undone and to appoint leaders for the churches in each town. As I told you, they must have a good reputation and be faithful in marriage. Their children must be followers of the Lord and not have a reputation of being wild and disobedient. Church officials are in charge of God's work, and so they must also have a good reputation. They must not be bossy, quick-tempered, heavy drinkers, bullies, or dishonest in business. Instead, they must be friendly to strangers and enjoy doing good things. They must also be sensible, fair, pure, and self-controlled. They must stick to the true message they were taught so that their good teaching can help others and correct everyone who opposes it. 
So the first section I want to look at is good reputation. Now, many of you that may hear that word good reputation, you think about leadership, you may start to squirm in your seat a little bit because you think, oh gosh, Reagan, if you knew the reputation that follows me, maybe how I used to be in the past, what I used to do, the key word is in the past and what you used to do. But I want to tell you a little secret about this church. If, you, if you're new here or uh, maybe it's your first time, Lover's Lane is full of people with the craziest past. In fact, you might be sitting next to someone. And what I mean is I've heard these stories. We've had um, people that have, well, been in jail, had, had um, addictions and all kinds of things. But I tell you what, those people are some of our best leaders in our entire church. And I'm not here to say, well, they just believed in Jesus and then boom, they were totally cured of everything. No, um, they did hit rock bottom. You know, they did serve jail time. They had addictions. They were in recovery groups. They went to rehab. They had counselors. They might have had medication. They had, you know, a big support group. They had all kinds of things that helped them turn their life around. And what I love about them is that because they know what it's like to hit rock bottom, they know what it really takes to be a good leader. And so, yes, it did not happen overnight. It took a lot of good um, intentionality and a lot of work, um, maybe a little stumbling here and there, but they have ended up being some of our best leaders. And they didn't let what, what they used to be, what maybe how they used to be, paralyze them and keep them from being a good leader. They didn't say, well, I can't, I can't do that because this is how I used to be. And I'm so thankful for that because we would be missing out on some of our best leaders in this church if they said, I'm not qualified. And maybe for you, you think, well, Reagan, this reputation thing, you know, I, I don't have that. And maybe you're a little bit like me. I grew up Midwest, Kansas girl, didn't really do anything bad. And my mom, I'm not lying, right? Mom, where are you? Not lying, right? Good kid. Um, I really, I'm not lying, y'all. I really was a good kid. Why do you guys chuckle? And so when people, you know, share these testimonies of, you know, again, crazy story, crazy reputation, whatever, you know, I don't, I don't have that. I always feel like, oh, my testimony is really kind of boring and, or I can't really, I don't have much to offer. And so that's the thing that tingles me up. Not their good reputation. You don't, your thing is like, well, I don't have a good reputation. Your thing is, like me, you make all these excuses thinking, well, I'm not smart enough. I'm not articulate enough. Or maybe, you know, I don't, all I have is an associate's degree. Or maybe I, I didn't even go to college. Or I went to college, but it wasn't that kind of college. Or it wasn't the best school, you know, business school within that college or whatever. Or, you know, I've been laid off before. Or I have learning difficulties or whatever. And the list goes on and on. I'm sure all of us have that list in our head that says, well, I can't be that because I'm this and this and this and this. Again, there's people in this church that are the definition of hustle and get things done. And many of them were C students all their life, or maybe they barely graduated high school, or they didn't go to college, and they are extremely, extremely successful. And so they didn't let all those things that we have deemed are the most important, or what makes you qualified, or that makes you the best leader, they don't let that hold them back. And again, I'm so thankful because they're such great examples to the rest of us. And it helps me kind of um, quiet that voice in me that says, well, Reagan, you can't do that because you're this, 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 this. 
And so I, I want to encourage you um, not to think, well, I can't do this. I can't be a good leader because of this, 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 and this. And I love this book, um, Vulnerable Pastor. What really helped me is when I read it, her big thing is that our weaknesses, maybe our limitations, actually make us better leaders. And so don't maybe try to hide those even. I think that makes you more approachable. It makes you um, more kind of on the same level. And people don't feel like, oh, I can never be like that because this person's so perfect. So I think it's okay to embrace maybe where we have limitations or weaknesses because people love that. It makes people feel a little bit more comfortable like, oh, okay, I can do that because we're kind of all in the same boat, which is really, really helpful. Another thing, this whole thing about, well, I don't have this, I don't have that, or maybe I'm just not good enough. When was the last time you were at dinner and people, you know, settled down and they raised their glass and said, you know what, I just want to toast to my ACT score, (laughs) right? Or like, I just want to toast to my score on the bar or whatever it is, you know, like. If your friends do that, get new friends. They sound terrible. <laughs> but I think it proves that like, no one really cares about a lot of things. They just want to see how you can lead. Okay? All right, so next, next line I want to look at this is about church leaders, but it goes to everyone. But for church leaders, this is why it's important. Their children must be followers of the Lord and not have a reputation of being wild and disobedient. Titus did not know most pastor kids, apparently, right? We all know the pastor kids that were bad, so this is my friendly reminder to pray for Andy because she's got two pastor parents. Okay, let's go ahead and move on. The next word I want to look at is bossy. So bossy. I bet we could all share stories of people that we worked for that were just so extremely bossy, right? And I think we could spend a lot of time here. But here's the thing that got me thinking is that we are kind of piggybacking on the last, that first point as we are really consumed with titles and achievements and degrees and awards and all these things. And I hate that because people use, as, as a, use that as a way of saying, well, I'm better than you because I have this and this and this and this. And I hate that. It makes us feel like we're entitled to be bossy, which we're not. We're not entitled to be bossy ever, okay? I don't care if you graduate from Harvard number one in your class. I don't care. And I know that seems like, well, that's kind of harsh. Those people are really smart. I know. They're really smart. I get it. But you really should never have um, permission to be bossy. I just, it makes me, ugh. Okay. But see, when I think the problem is when you do act like that, when you act so bossy, so entitled, that maybe people, again, that haven't achieved the same level as you feel like they have nothing to offer and they can't speak up. So maybe in your workforce, um, you know, there's people that they look at you and say, well, I, I haven't done any of that, and so they don't speak up when probably they have some really good ideas. And maybe they're actually more knowledgeable and more gifted at things, but because you have been so bossy, you're not giving them a voice. The other problem I see with being bossy is that, um, and I pray that we are not like this, I would pray that we would not think we're better than others or that we should be bossy or we get to be bossy because of our race, our gender, our nationality, our zip code, what card we carry, whatever the list goes on. I would hope that we would not automatically say, well, I'm better than you because I'm this and you're not. That 
<laughs> is not the gospel at all. And see, I love um, scripture because it, with leadership, thinking about, okay, do I have permission to be bossy? Do I have permission to be the best? I think it's so interesting that Jesus uses verses talking about, um, you know, let the children come to me or embrace the children or that the first shall be last and the last shall be first. That reminds me that people that we think maybe aren't qualified, maybe aren't that great, are actually the ones we need to be paying attention to most. And that we actually need to step aside as a leader and let them have a voice. So maybe for you, you can take this back and say, you know, I want to give maybe a project to our first year or whatever, or my intern or whatever. Empower them. Good leaders empower people and encourage them and want to see them succeed. And if they fail, you step in and you help them and encourage them. You give good feedback. You don't, you know, criticize them and yell at them and do that. Like a good leader wants to see people around them succeed. And I also think this applies to in our home. And I know my daughter is only two and I am the boss, right? Parents are the boss. I'm not advocating, let's be friends with our kids. That's terrible advice. But I think about as she grows older, am I gonna be really bossy and just say, no, that's the way it goes because I'm the mom. I will probably say that a lot, I realize that. But how am I taking time to listen to her and maybe get her opinion and her views and asking, well, what do you think about that? Or well, how do you treat your spouse when you come home? When you both come home from work or maybe if one stays home, like, I hope you're giving equal voice to them too. And then you're not saying, well, I work so hard. You don't know how tired I am, how tired I am and thinking like, well, I can be bossy because I've done more. Again, being bossy, good leaders aren't bossy. They don't think they're the best person in the room. They want everyone to be kind of on the same level and they want to treat people with respect. Okay, quick tempered. I'm never quick-tempered, and Scott can tell you that I'm perfect. <laughs> so I find when I am quick-tempered or when I see people being quick-tempered, these are the things that I think are going on. One, most likely, I think a leader is really overwhelmed. they got too much on their plate, which means most likely they're probably not asking for help. And good leaders, when you feel like you're getting really short with people, like I know when I'm sending more short emails or I'm really short with Scott or maybe I don't have as much patience with my daughter, I realize that I'm overwhelmed and that I maybe need to ask for some help. So I get tired of this mentality that we can do it all and we can be all. And if I ask for help, that makes me, me less. No, that makes you more in my book. When people say, ah, yeah, I'm really overwhelmed. I could use some help. Oh my gosh, I love that. Because you don't think too highly of yourself that you think, well, I can't ask them. I can do this. I can handle it all. Because I guarantee things are going to suffer. But maybe it's your health. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your relationship with your kids. But if you can't ask for help, you're really doing a disservice and you're not becoming the best example and the best leader to the people that are looking up to you. So I would, I would encourage us to be leaders that ask for help. And I understand sometimes at work, you're like, well, I can't ask for help. Everyone else is overwhelmed, and I get that. But I guarantee there's opportunities for you to ask for help so you don't get overwhelmed, so you don't end up being short-tempered. The other thing it shows me, if someone's being quick-tempered, is that you probably don't have the right people around you. And what I mean by that is that if you're getting to the point where you're so quick-tempered at a lot of different things, 
that you don't have a good support system, that maybe you need some sort of mentor or coach or counselor that can maybe kind of start to sense before you get to that point that says, you looks like you got a lot on your plate or you got a lot coming up. How are you going to take care of yourself and make sure you don't end up being quick-tempered and bossy and all those negative things that we don't want to be? So I would encourage you to surround yourself with people that can help you um, not become too overwhelmed or too bossy or too quick-tempered. It doesn't show that you're weak at all when you ask for help or when you surround yourself and you share a little bit more, share about how you're really doing. That actually makes you, again, a better leader. I also think when you're quick-tempered, especially maybe it's with a specific person, you've got some unresolved conflict. And good leaders don't run away from conflict. They approach it head-on, not aggressively, not with this mean spirit, but hey, let's take care of this. Let's talk about this. And you show grace and forgiveness, right? Good leaders don't get to the point of being quick-tempered because they want to ask for help, get some things off their plate, and also deal with conflict. Okay, let's keep going. Heavy drinkers and bullies. I think that's pretty self-explanatory. I don't know if I need to explain that. If you're a jerk, stop being a jerk. Okay. Dishonest in business. So I think we can probably all agree that things like embezzling, cheating, stealing, not good, right? Can we all just agree on that, probably? Okay, that's good. (laughs) Gonna watch the offering plate go by you. (laughs) Um, But when I started thinking about this a little uh, a little bit more, it's like okay, like most people don't do that. But what about um, when you throw your team member under the bus? We're all guilty of it at one point. What about passing off the blame on your spouse? What about making empty or false promises to those you work with or your family? I think we all do that. We're all guilty of that. We're all a little bit dishonest. So my, my encouragement is take the blame when you need to. Don't lie and follow through with your promises. Because if people can't trust you, everything crumbles. Everything crumbles. Okay, next one. Friendly to strangers. Obviously, as Christians, we, we want to share the peace and love of Christ with everyone we meet. Everyone we meet, even when we're frustrated at customer service, when we're online with an insurance claim or whatever it may be, think about those really, really frustrating moments or when you're um, dealing with an IT person. Uh, That gets me. But we need to always be looking for every opportunity to share that. And so, yes, I understand we've got to be friendly with strangers, but here's the other thing that I think we need to be better about is that I think noticing... (sighs) Everyone that we work with, everyone in our family. We all know the stats of um, what it means for someone to be acknowledged, to say hello. And when someone says hello to you or there's a handshake or eye contact, how much that can mean to, to someone that they are noticed, that they're not just someone to walk by. We know how much that means. Every study shows how much that can um, help someone. And so the other week I was at a conference learning about some leadership and this 
CEO was talking about how he had this really big meeting, and he, so he was going to meet um, his clients in the front of his office, you know, they were going to come in, and the admin was going to uh, greet them, and he made some comment or did something, and was talking to his admin, and the admin said, well, you know, I'm, I'm just the admin, and he stopped in front of these really important clients, and he said, you are not just an admin. You are the first face that people see when they walk into this company. You're the one that greet them, make sure they have everything they need. You're the one that answers the calls. You're the one that books everything. You make sure everything is done so that when I walk in to meet them, I don't have to worry about a thing. He's like, you are not just an admin. I was like, oh, that's good. And it got me thinking about in our workplace, how are we acknowledging our welcome center person, our admins, our secretaries, our interns, our custodial um, staff, facilities, all those people, how are we acknowledging them? How are we making sure they know that they are important? Because they are. Leaders don't think they're so much better than they don't have time for people that are low level or whatever you want to call it. You're never too good for, to, say, to say hello to someone. And that's what I love about Christ's example is that he was always acknowledging the people that were forgotten, the people that were walked by and passed by and weren't given the time of day. I love that he always, no matter what was on his schedule, no matter what he did, that he would stop and spend time with them. So I think that good leaders, good leaders don't rush, rush their time with people. Good leaders have time for people. Bad leaders rush time or don't even, even stop to notice people. Okay, next, sensible, fair, and pure. Obviously, I think these three qualities go together really, really easily. Um, but piggybacking off the quick-tempered, I believe that good leaders are sensible in their decisions. And what I mean by that is that they don't make quick decisions based uh, out of anger or out of fear. They don't make the, uh, swift judgments or decisions based on their particular mood or feelings that day, which can be really hard. I always make, make sure Scott is fed before he makes any sort of decision because he makes terrible decisions when he's hungry. <laughs> and they also do their best to be as fair as possible, not playing favoritism, which can be really hard. Like when you have a favorite kid, right? No? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, kids. They're in the room. They don't have a favorite kid. Um, some days, maybe. Okay. But I love there's this lesson in the book of James that says this. This is James 2, 1 through 4. My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Hmm. So I think um, we all have to do our best, which can be really hard with all the different personalities, personalities that you work with or in your family, to not choose favorites. And to maybe give a little bit more grace to someone else or make sure that, that person gets a better opportunity. I think we need to try to make sure we're fair and sensible to everyone. And this whole being pure of heart it is, is hard. But I encourage you to look at things like the fruit of the Spirit, which is a great place to start. And try to work on being 
you know, kind, showing goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all of those things. And I know that's, that can be a lot to try to juggle all at the same time. But I think good leaders, again, are always trying to work on how they can be better and where they have shortcomings. Okay, self-controlled. Obviously, I think this probably relates a lot with being sensible and fair, but it got me thinking um, a little bit deeper. I think good leaders um, know how to say no. They know how to have that self-control and say no, both professionally and personally. Good leaders know that they get a really great opportunity, a bigger paycheck, that corner office, but there's something attached to it. Longer hours, more travel. And they can look at that and say, you know, that would be great, but I feel like I'm going to drain myself. I'm going to kill myself trying to be that. And it's not worth it. Or you know what, that, that's great. That means I'm not going to be able to be with my spouse. I'm not going to be able to be there with my kids. I'm going to miss all their games, their plays, whatever. They're going to miss all of it. And they say, no, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. Even when it's really good for them, it'd be the best move for them. It'd be horrible for everyone else in their life. So good leaders know how to say no and when to say no. And it's hard because the world says, well, you're, why would you walk away from that bigger paycheck? You get that, be, you know, that title, whatever. And that can be really hard to deal, especially in, in, in North Dallas. I mean, people are always chasing that next thing. But when I see leaders that say, no, that's not worth it. I want to work for someone like that. Okay, let's keep going. They must stick to the true message they were taught so that their good teaching can help others and correct everyone who opposes it. So for me, you know, I read a lot of stats on pastors. And if you've ever looked at stats for pastors, I don't know why you would if you're really bored one day. Um, But when you look at the stats for pastors, no sane person would sign up for this job after they looked at those. And what I mean is um, the divorce rate for clergy is pretty awful, which I'm like, well, Scott and I are both clergy, so does that mean 100% chance? I don't know. <laughs> like, I did the math. Not very good at it, but... Or the fact that how um, Fuller Institute did this, this study and the stats on, obviously, divorce, um, how much the family felt abandoned by their family member that was a clergy. Again, Scott and I are both clergy. I'm like, good luck, Andy. Uh, y'all can raise her, I guess. Uh, and obviously kids that that grow up with their parents as clergy don't want to be part of the church. Um, embezzlement, having inappropriate relationships with church members. I mean, the list goes on and on. I mean, the stats are horrifying. And I look at that and I think, oh my gosh, can I do this? Gosh, I hope so. But that's why I, I, I try to surround myself with people. I try to read books about what good leadership is because I don't want to fall. And so this, that verse about what I just read, the true message, I don't want to forget why I'm doing what I'm doing. That I was called and that I believe firmly in the message of Jesus Christ and what he can do for our lives. 
I don't want to get away from that. I want to get so consumed with um, climbing up and doing things that I forget why I started in the first place. And I can tell you it's hard. More pastors deal with pride and ego probably than like any other job almost. And so I know that it's going to be a daily thing that I have to work on. And so I hope and I pray that I don't forget, that I don't get swept up or tempted or walk away from ministry or that I'm asked to leave. I hope I don't forget. It reminds me of Mark 8.36. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Good leaders don't forget who they were when they were starting their first job. They don't forget. So in closing today, what kind of leader do you want to be? Think about it. Especially those of you that are just starting like your first jobs. Don't forget who you are right now. And maybe you don't have enough money. Maybe you're living paycheck to paycheck. That you forget how to be grateful and humbled See, I pray that if I get a really big steeple someday, I'm a senior pastor and a bigger paycheck, I pray that my marriage is still as strong as it is today. I pray that Andy still loves the church. Every morning when we come um, on Sunday morning, she goes, where are we going? Church goes, oh, yay. (laughs) I don't want her to lose that. I also hope that I don't get the reputation that I'm I'm bossy and quick-tempered and a bully, and dishonest. And I think a big part of why and who I am today, you okay there? All right. (laughs) It's like, sure. A big reason, the, the reason who I am today is because of all of you. I've been on staff since 2009, and I've grown a lot. And I certainly have not arrived. I still have a lot more to do. Because of your investment in me, your belief in me, your encouragement in me, the way that you've also lovingly said, hey, I didn't really like what you said or called me out, that all makes me a better leader. And I'm so thankful that I still get to be in ministry here. And I'm going to get ordained tomorrow night. And then on Wednesday, I'm going to be back here and I'm going to be working again. And I don't want to forget I don't want to forget who I was in 2009 when I interviewed for an associate youth pastor job here. I hope I'm not too radically different from that awkward, really scared, nervous girl. And so thank you. Um, Scott and I both just want to say thank you so much for the way that you have loved us and raised us up. And we're so thankful to be in membership with you and partnership with you in ministry. So again, what kind of leader do you want to be? Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. So for the way that you empower so many leaders to write good books about what it means to be a good leader. Because it can be really hard when we are tempted and pulled and exhausted and there's this demand to be a certain type of leader. We've been fooled into thinking it's one type of person that can be a good leader, and that's just not right. That's just not true. Would you work on each one of us 
to be a better version of ourselves, that we could be patient and kind and loving and graceful and that we would empower people and that we would not think we're better than other people, that, but that we're all in this together. And may you also lovingly put people in our life that can call us out and encourage us and get us back on the straight and narrow when we start to stumble. May we never forget that who we are is because of you, that we may that we may give glory and praise to you for all of our accomplishments, all the things that we do, that we know where our gratitude needs to go. And it's in your name.